Hi guys, welcome back to Bash Ed. I'm Natalie, the writer and host of this podcast. And so this episode was supposed to just be a regular book and movie club episode talking about our pick from September, which of course was Anna the Biography by Amy O'Dell. But when I was putting this together and saw like just how many tabs I had marking in the book, I decided it could be fun to split it into two parts. This week, talking about kind of the early years of Anna's career and leading up to her appointment as editor-in-chief of American Vogue. And then next week, about her years as the American Vogue editor-in-chief. So if you're new to listening, one of the reasons that I decided to split it is because to keep this podcast kind of fun and different, I really try to focus on keeping the main episodes under 15, maybe like 20 minutes max if there's something really crazy. Um, but just so that you have a way to learn about some things in, fashion, in the fashion world, whether it's just something you're sort of interested in, or if you're super involved in the space, just to have this as a really quick way that won't take much time out of your day or week or anything, because it's like, sometimes it's hard to find a way to carve out more time and keep learning about new things or just hear different opinions on old things. So that's kind of my way of offering something different from you guys with this podcast and then, of course, there's those super short Fact Friday episodes that I like to try to keep like under three minutes if I can, so that you can literally just turn it on when you're like washing your face, brushing your teeth, or whatever in the morning. And by the end of it, even if it's just this like silly little historical fact or something, you still know something new by the end of it. So, anyways, let's get into this book. Um, just a little intro here, other than the introduction of the book, which focuses um, on the time around Trump being elected president, it goes chronologically through Anna's career um, up to her being appointed as editor-in-chief of American Vogue and through that. But for this episode, to keep things kind of objective and, again, not too long, I have picked out just seven things, which was insanely hard given the amount of information within the book that I learned through the sections about Anna's early career. And then we'll do something similar again for the next week. So the first thing is that Anna actually left school at age 16. It said in the book that there are discrepancies between whether she left just before or near the beginning of her final year at North London Collegiate. And there's a note underneath saying like how this wasn't unusual at the time, but it just so kind of like surprised me, I guess, just due to her success and power and like influence and everything. I had like assumed she would have some kind of like Oxford degree or something like that, but like she really just knew what she wanted and decided to get to work with it. There were also comments, you know, kind of within the beginning that said she knew she wanted to work in publishing. Her father worked in publishing and that she wanted to be in fashion publishing. So she knew from very, very early on what she wanted to do. And so moving on to number two, I'm just going to read this one as a direct quote so I don't get anything mixed up here. 
And then just for reference, this is speaking about payments that came from a trust from her grandparents. And the quote says, over the course of the first six years of her magazine career, she received more than $19,000, which in 2021 currency would be more than $120,000. That money made it possible for her to not only enter the poorly paying publishing field, but also to take risks that would lead to her advancement. And I'm not going to say much else about that here because as someone who's currently trying to work their way into the fashion publishing field without connections or a trust or anything, this definitely hits a little bit hard. So we'll just leave that there. Um, But yeah, just kind of putting those numbers in perspective is definitely very interesting. So moving on to number three. Anna's first job was at a store called Biba. I'm not sure if that's how you pronounce it. It's spelled B-I-B-A. And this was a super popular fashion store in London. She did not have to formally interview for the job after her father. Her father was Charles Wintour, who was an editor of the Evening Standard in London. And so how it kind of worked is he introduced Anna to his fashion editor, who then reached out to someone at the store and the job was hers since like the editor had written good things about Biba. And yeah, that's kind of how she got started with everything. So definitely she did not go, you know, straight into writing or anything. She did kind of work her way up a bit, but those those connections definitely help out. So the fourth thing I wanted to talk about is actually kind of an interesting one that doesn't really have an answer, but Anna's iconic sunglasses that, you know, you still see her wear them today. And, you know, they make her this instantly recognizable figure. They might not just be about fashion. In chapter four of the book, it's mentioned that Anna has nearsighted vision and acute light sensitivity. And she said that sunglasses aided with that. But then it also says that her friend, um, Lisa Love, who was an editor, said that they were just for style. So that is one mystery that really we don't know but I thought it was interesting to hear those kind of different accounts of it. Moving on to number five. This one is like not totally just about Anna, but this is kind of like a practice of the fashion industry that I wasn't aware of before this. And I thought it was a really interesting thing to learn. But this is something that was discussed when they were talking about her career at Viva Magazine in London. And again, I'm just going to directly quote like, these couple whole sentences right here because I don't want to misspeak about it or anything. But this quote says, she knew that given Viva's budget problems, if she could help the magazine grow its fashion and ad business, she'd be seen as indispensable. And with that would come both more power and more reason for a place like Vogue to take her on. This didn't mean that everything that was shot was accurately credited. While there's usually no mistaking one item of clothing for another, With makeup, even today's editors often just credit products written by their advertisers when they aren't used, which is what Anna did. And that's the end of the quote. Um, So this in part, like, 
at first I was like shocked when I read this. I was like, what do you mean that they're lying about the products they're promoting? But then I kind of wondered after that, I was like, well, why am I even shocked by this? Like, of course, makeup artists probably have their preferred products for creating certain kinds of looks and things like that. But it still just seems so strange for this to be like a known practice to like knowingly promote products and then say that they're being used on the models in the photos when they aren't. So yeah, that one's a little bit more just about the industry in general, but still very interesting. One more kind of negative <laughs> side to things. The sixth thing is that also while working at Viva, Anna planned a shoot in Ocho Rios in Jamaica. And after she wasn't present to direct the shoot and the photos turned out poorly, she got in trouble for the cost of the trip, which was a whole week long. But then Anna blamed the cost of it on her assistant who then ended up being fired. So like I said at the beginning of this episode, I do want to try to be mostly objective, but that just just kind of stood out to me because it did seem to sort of feel like a theme throughout the book that Anna would blame other people for mistakes. And then it also at the same time just shows the like insane amount of money and like luxury that goes into things like photo shoots, you know, with these like week long Jamaica trips and things like that. So again, we will just kind of leave that at that. Just kind of gives a insight into the industry. And the last thing that I wanted to mention in this portion of our book and movie club is that Anna really pushed to elevate fashion to a higher cultural consideration. This was another thing that was really, really evident throughout the book that she wanted to give a higher sense of culture to fashion. She really pushed ahead of her time during um, her first stint at Vogue as a creative director while Grace Mirabella was editor-in-chief. She wanted to shoot clothes against backgrounds of paintings and other art by prominent artists of the time. And this was considered to be like very revolutionary and she was considered like very avant-garde to be wanting to shoot things in this way. Um, and I honestly had not realized that she was so innovative um, because, you know, you kind of look at Vogue now and it's pretty similar to all of the other magazines and things, but kind of realizing that this all came from her shows how she has worked herself into such a powerful fashion figure. And it still, too, makes sense, like, why this was so revolutionary, especially when you consider that even now, fashion is often seen as something that's, like, totally frivolous, which, I mean, it often can be, but I do think that there is an artistic side to it, too. And it is interesting that she was kind of the first person to portray it this way. So those are all of the things that I wanted to bring up from this first section of the book. And then I just wanted to put a little bit of kind of food for thought here at the end. One thing that I kept thinking about while I was reading this is that like Anna's career is very similar to a lot of 
how people's careers go in fashion publishing. Like she has the status of her family. She has the connections through her father's publishing job. But I just kind of like kept thinking throughout this, like what, I wonder what Vogue and like subsequently the whole fashion and whole publishing world like might look like if, you know, Anna, like let's say Anna wanted to do something else with her life and never went into fashion and someone else ended up kind of being on top of this whole entire world who had maybe like didn't have all of those connections right off the bat. Like I wonder just how different the whole entire industry might be or like maybe it wouldn't be different at all like who knows so I would love to hear if you guys have any feedback or thoughts on that and if you've read the book if there were any other things that kind of stood out to you from these beginning chapters and other than that we will go through the rest of it next week but before that we will have our little fact friday episode so i will talk to you guys again soon mm-hmm.